There's a living organism that was alive when the Egyptians were building the pyramids. It was growing when Alexander the Great conquered much of the known world. It was there when Jesus walked the earth. Not only that, but throughout the dark ages and throughout world wars, we continue to see behind the scenes this one organism continue to grow. It's a tree, one of the oldest known trees, a 5,000-year-old bristlecone pine. I can almost imagine, you see, we're talking in Psalm 1 today, and you can imagine the psalmist sitting down, looking at a tree and beginning to just think some thoughts, begin to think, what's the similarities between this tree and my life? And he starts to talk about the difference between somebody whose life is rooted and grounded, somebody who is living by streams of waters, and the difference between that kind of rooted life and a very different kind of life. He calls these two different paths, these two different kinds of life that you can live, the difference between a wicked life and a righteous life. And so today we're gonna talk about this idea of I don't know how to be unshakable because in Psalm chapter one, he gives us the idea, he gives us the understanding and insight and when we don't know how to live and be unshakable, how to live unshakably. So let's go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 1, and I'm just going to go ahead and start reading because I believe God's got some incredible things in store for us today. Here's what the psalmist writes in chapter 1. He says this. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Today, we're talking about I don't know how to be unshakable. But before we dive in, today's a special day, and I wanna take a moment to recognize all the moms watching right now that it is Mother's Day. I wanna say happy Mother's Day from Movement Church. We're so grateful that you're here, and we believe God is working in your life in amazing ways. I wanna take a moment to just pray over everything that you might be working through right now. I know that for some of us moms, like this is our day, this is our special day, we're celebrating, we're excited. I know that Mother's Day means other things for some of us, though. Some of us, maybe we lost a child. Maybe for some of us, we have a child that's struggling. Or, or for others of us, we're working through some of the complexities of motherhood. And I, I want to invite right now the Holy Spirit into this moment, wherever you're watching from, and to simply pray for you before we go any farther today, talking about being unshakable. And so, Father, we thank you so much for today. God, we're grateful for every single mom that, God, I love throughout Scripture what we see are strong women of faith who do incredible things, that they raise up incredible men and women of faith. And so, Father, I pray for every mom today. I pray for the moms who are celebrating, the moms who are excited that this is their moment, this is their day. I pray, Lord, that they would feel your blessing and your celebration. God, I pray for moms who wish that they could be moms that they're struggling maybe through a season right now and they wish they could be a mom, but they are not. And God, we pray for them. God, we pray for your, your peace and for your presence, for your guidance, that God, I pray that they would be able to submit and surrender all of those things to you and experience your goodness in those moments of, of sadness and frustration. 
God, for moms whose kids are working through things, Father, we pray, Lord, that in those moments, we know that every moment that that mom is awake or sleeping, that God, you are still there with their kids that God, your presence wraps around them, that you love them so deeply. And so we pray for them in this moment. God, we thank you so much for Mother's Day. We thank you that we get to come together and experience your word in a new way today. So Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate and guide us as we experience the fullness of what you have for us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said across living rooms and podcasts, everybody said, amen, amen. Well, listen, Psalm chapter one. I'm going to talk about a number of different things and then I'm going to tie it back into parenting and being a mom a little bit later. Not that I've experienced being a mom, uh, but I believe that scripture has so much wisdom in store for us. And so we see Psalm chapter one. And I want to start with a couple of observations. My very first observation is this, that uh, when I went to college, I took a research methods class. And in that class, one of the very first things that we sat down and talked about, one of the first things that he gave us is uh, his first kind of imparting wisdom. And honestly, the only thing that I remember from that class is he sat down and he said, your input will determine your output. Your input will determine your output. If you have good data that you're putting into your research, then you're going to get good data out of your research. But if you put bad things into your research, then you're going to get bad things out of your research. As the psalmist is talking, that's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about this idea of input. He's saying, listen, the things that you put into your life, the people that you listen to, the media that you go ahead and bring into your living room, the books that you read, whoever you're in contact with, that your input, the things that you put into your life will determine your output. And so today we're going to talk about what it looks like for this idea of input because the psalmist just kind of gives us two different paths. Now, I know that we live in a world today that we want to imagine that there are a lot of different paths. We, we want to say, listen, there aren't just two ways. There's a lot of gray. And what the psalmist says is, no, listen, there are two different ways. He says, listen, you can either live in the path of the righteous, the people who have good input, the people who are following after God, or you can live in the way of the wicked, those who decide to listen to the counsel of the wicked. And so as we talk about this psalmist, what he simply says is that every one of us is going to choose a path. And he doesn't just leave it up to chance to decide which way we're going. But he says, no, listen, you will know by what your life looks like. And so every one of us is challenged and confronted with the fact of asking the question, what are the fruit of my life? And does it look like the wicked or does it look like the righteous? And so today we're going to talk about what it looks like to have good inputs. What does it look like to be a righteous person that we see in Psalm chapter 1? You see, what we see in this passage is that every one of us has a cycle in our lives. Every one of us, go ahead and write this down. You see, I think it's so important that as we experience church together and participate in church, that we know that we are actually participating in what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so I want you to write this down. I want you to take notes. I want you to highlight in your Bible. And so the psalmist tells us either the way of the wicked or the way of the righteous, it's both the same cycle. The first part of the cycle is the input. What are the inputs of your life? The second part of the cycle are the things that you are transformed by. So what you'll notice is the more inputs that you have, they actually transform the way that you view the world and the way that you live your life. And then the third thing that he says is, listen, the things that you, are, that you have as an input, the things that you're transformed by, those are going to be the things that you impact the world through. So input, transformed, and impact. Here's what happens, he says, about the wicked. He says this. He says that the wicked 
uh, and that those who are wicked walk in the counsel of the wicked. You see that as the input? That they're listening to the counsel of those who are wicked. He says, listen, those who stand in the way of sinners, those who are transformed by, now you're kind of standing, you're belonging to sinners. And lastly, he says, sit in the seat of scoffers. Now they're impacting the world around them as they begin to scoff at the people around them. He says, there's a way of the wicked. Then he says, there's a way of the righteous. That's what we're going to talk about today. He says, the input is that you delight and meditate in the law of God. We're going to talk all about today about input, about meditating, about delighting in the law of God. He says, when you do that, then you will be transformed, that God will actually come. He will plant you by streams of water so that you're transformed, and then you'll impact the world around you as you bear fruit. I have two questions for you today that come from this passage, and I want to unpack those and what it looks like for the way that we want to live unshakable lives, that we must have the right inputs. And so I have two questions that will help us determine if we have the right inputs. The first question is this. If you want to go ahead and write this down in your notes, the question is, what do you want? What do you really want? That's the first question that the psalmist ask us. He says this, he says, but his delight, somebody say delight to somebody next to you. His delight is in the law, the instruction of the Lord. Now this idea of delight we see throughout the Bible. There's actually in the Song of Songs, we see that there's a delight, a man for a woman. When I think about delight, I think about the first time that I met Holly I remember I was in Kingswood University and we were going to school and the moment that I was done talking with her, I ran back to my dorm room and until the internet shut off at 12 o'clock that night, I was creeping on all of her Facebook photos. I was going through each one. I was looking at her past experiences. Why? Because I was delighting in her. Even as I look at her today, man, I love my wife. I delight in her. I just can't get enough. And so that's exactly what the psalmist is saying here is he's saying where is your delight. What do you want? I think when we ask that question and then follow it up by, what do I really want? It changes everything. You see, delight is really at the foundation of how we live our lives. We were created to delight in God, but what we see in the garden, Genesis chapter 3 verse 9, says that we actually began to see something else and we delighted in it. It says that Eve saw a fruit and she saw it was delightful to the eyes. And so she went a different way. What God is saying is, listen, if you want to have the right kind of life, if you want to live righteously, you've got to have the right input, which means you need to delight in me. There are a couple of different ways, though, that we can get sidetracked, that I see my own life that I end up getting sidetracked. The first way I get sidetracked from delight is that I start to think that I can find the delight that I so long and crave in other things. But what I find time and time again is that when I think that I can find delight in those other things, they end up making me come up dry and empty. One of the areas that it seems like I got to come back to over and over again and submit to God because I start to try to delight in it is comparison. That I'll start to look at other people and I'll start to look at their life or their ministry or what they've done. Even people in history, I'll be like, man, by you know, 28, that person had written a whole 10 volumes and I'll start to think that maybe I need to look like them. And I think that it's in those moments where I think that if I can only be like them, that somehow that delight craving would be satisfied. Sometimes Holly will look over at me and just ask the question, what do you want? 
It's in that moment when I ask, what do I want, that I realize that my delight will never be satisfied in those other things. My delight can only be found in one place, and that's in the God who created me. Can I tell you today that your delight can't be found in greater success. Your, your delight can't be found in another relationship. Your delight cannot be found in more money. Our delight is because we've been created for God alone. Our delight is in the divine. And so the psalmist says, delight in the Lord. I think the second way, though, that I get a little bit astray is that what happens is I end up using God to try to get to what I want. You see, there's this verse in Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, that says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. What I'll end up doing is I'll end up kind of skipping over that first part, and I'll get to that second part as fast as I can. So I'll be like, well, God, you want to give me the desires of my heart, don't you? Like, it's really good to put on a mug or put up a wall in our living room. And we kind of have that plaque up there that says, God will give you the desires of your heart. But we sometimes miss out on the first part that says, delight yourself in the Lord. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, what is it that will be the desire of our heart but a deeper relationship with Him? So we understand that to pursue after God, to chase after God is to delight in Him, to avoid this idea that we can find it someplace else, to avoid the idea that we use God to get what we want. And when we do that, when we ask the question, what do I really want? We can actually delight in God. Everything begins to change. You see, I think that so much of our life is delighting in the right person. Sometimes what we end up doing is we try to chase away, we try to run away from sin, and God is saying, listen, you don't need to run away from sin, you need to delight in the right person. And when you do that, you'll find the desires of your heart. It's about the input and asking the question, what do I want? So God is calling us today to say, listen, if you want to be like the righteous, if you want to be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, then check your delight. Check your input of the things that you are delighting in. The second thing that he says is this, is he begins to ask the question, what do you meditate on? I would even ask that again. What do you really meditate on? Here's what the psalmist says. He says, and on his law, he meditates day and night on God's instruction. This idea of meditation is kind of like a trendy thing in today's society that, you know, some of the greatest leaders and CEOs are talking about how they're meditating. They have apps about meditation. But I, I want to be careful because what we see in the Bible is that there's a difference between an Eastern meditation and a biblical meditation. That an Eastern meditation says, listen, you need to clear your mind of all the things, clear your mind of the stress and just kind of sink down into the floor. And, and, and what the Bible would say is something entirely different. You see, I, I love that I'm belonging to a small group where we're exploring what it looks like to meditate on the law of God and what meditating on God means and and on what he's given us is saying, listen, I'm going to come to scripture. I'm going to look at what scripture says and I'm going to think about it. I'm going to meditate on it. This idea of meditation is actually the Hebrew word Hagah, which is this idea of cooing, of, of almost like a lion prowling around what he wants to devour. And it's almost like in that same way, you're just always coming back to Scripture. And Scripture begins to change the way that you view the world. I think in a world where there's so many different sources of where we can go and what we can meditate on, one of the greatest questions we can ask ourselves is, what are we meditating on really? 
Are we allowing all the things from social media to come in and begin to influence us? Are we allowing all the voices around us to speak into us? Or are we coming back to the word of God and meditating on it day and night? Or are we coming and are we being delighted in what God has told us about himself? See, I think so much of our way that we view the world depends on what we're meditating on. That for some of us, if we were to look back on this past week, maybe you would recognize that there was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of question marks about what was going to happen. Maybe for some of us, there was a lot of, of wondering how you're going to be able to make it through this season because you're struggling. You got kids at home and they're running around punching each other while you're trying to do your work and teach them at the same time. And you, there's, there's so many things that are on your mind that it's moments that God is calling you to meditate on Him. So many different reasons to be anxious and God is calling us to meditate, to focus on the input. You see, we said this was all a part of a cycle, that there was an input. And then we said when we input the right things into our minds through delight and through meditation, then what we find is that God does something and he transforms us. Like he says he'll come, he'll plant us by streams of water. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a tree plant itself. What we see is that people plant trees. And so we see that Jesus, God comes and he'll plant you by streams of water. That's where you get your roots and your nutrition from. And as we talk about water, this idea that Jesus came and Jesus sat by a well and he talked to this woman. He began to talk to her and say, listen, I have water that you know not of. I am the living water. So when we delight in God, when we meditate on his word, what happens? We're actually planted in Jesus, so that now we're filled with the things of Jesus. We're filled with the things of God. Our delight is in something totally different. We're unshakable because we're filling ourselves with the things of Jesus. And God transforms us so that ultimately we're able to bear fruit. We impact the world, not out of striving, but out of staying. So I want to talk to moms for a second because I think that there are a couple of things that are so important to the way that we view the world. The first thing is this. The first encouragement to moms is to look at the things that you're delighting in and meditating on because our kids will be a representation of what we delight in and meditate on. That they'll watch the way that you live. They'll watch the way that you process through the world. And what we see in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is that the writer Moses says, listen, talk about these things to your kids when you're on the road and when you're laying down and when you're driving in your car, if they had cars back then. He'd be saying, talk about these things. Raise them up in a way that they would love Jesus. That goes into the second thing that I want to encourage you with, which is in a world that encourages to pursue success. Instead, teach your kids character. Teach your kids a love for God. You know, I know that we live right now in a society that we kind of press pause for a minute, that we're able to reassess what we're doing in life. And so much of the, the striving was about making sure that our kids got into the right school, making sure that they were playing the right sports, making sure that they were getting the right grades. And in all of that, those aren't bad things. But what the psalmist is telling us is, listen, make sure that you're focusing to the character of your child. Make sure that you're actually helping them to delight in God because the thing that we see in all of culture is that there are so many successful people that are still looking for something. God is saying, let's raise our kids up to delight and meditate in God. So for every one of us today, I think that there are a couple of things that God is calling us 
to do. The first thing is this, that I, I wanna encourage you, if you haven't been a part of the 24-7 challenge yet, I'm gonna encourage you to sign up for that, to enroll today, because the 24-7 challenge is all about us coming and learning how to think like Jesus, learning how to live like Jesus and be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. I've loved, we have a Facebook group that people will go on and they'll post and I'm reading through the post and I'm like, man, there are people who are being rooted and grounded by streams of water who are understanding what it's like to experience Jesus in a new way. Be a part of the 24-7 challenge. Make that a part of your daily life to pursue God. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to pause for a moment And in in those times where you think that you want something, to pause and ask yourself those two questions. What do I want? What do I really want? Do I really need to buy that next thing? Or am I actually looking for Jesus? Am I actually looking for fulfillment? Do, Do I really need to step into that new relationship? Or can I simply rest in where God has me at the season in my life? And and to reflect in those moments and say, what am I meditating on? Am I coming back to scripture? Am I realizing that an unshakable life is about living with the right inputs, meditating on Jesus? I want to wrap up today that if you're somebody and you're saying, you know what, I don't know if I've lived unshakable. As you're talking about this idea of living by streams of water and being planted and rooted in Jesus, I don't even know if that's a thing in my life. I wanna encourage you right now that Jesus says, all those who are thirsty, he begins to say, listen, come to me. And so it's when we come to Jesus that he says that you can be born again, that you can actually partake in this living water. You can be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water so that you're not worried about what's coming next or about what's going to happen, but you are firmly planted and rooted in him. And I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. If you haven't made that decision yet, today is your day. Movement, I want to pray for each one of us that we would be like the righteous, like we would be the psalmist talks about that are firmly planted by streams of water and that we're able to bear fruit to impact our world with love, not out of trying to do more, but out of simply being rooted in the good and awesome love of Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, I'm so grateful today for our opportunity to be able to explore your word and truth that you're shaping us and you're molding us each and every day. God, I thank you that you are allowing us to be a part of your new humanity. And I pray that we would live different because we're allowing new inputs into our life, that we are delighting in you, that we're meditating in you, and that God, we see you changing everything. Father, I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody out there who hasn't yet understood what it's like to be like that tree rooted and planted in you, that God, I pray that they would pray this prayer after me today. And if you're listening and if you haven't prayed that prayer yet, pray this. Well, Lord Jesus, I trust you for the forgiveness of my sins. I commit to follow you all the days of my life. Root me and ground me in you. And for all of us today, I think there are areas of our life where we could come back to God and say, I see where I've gotten sidetracked. And I just want to pray this prayer with you. As a matter of fact, just kind of pray after me. Lord Jesus, root me and ground me. Mold me and shape me. That I would delight in and meditate on you. Father, we pray that we would be your people. And we ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. Well, movement, I'm so glad that we're able to join together today to hear this word from God. I love that we're actually a mobile church, whether we're online or wherever we are. I love being out here, being able to actually be by streams and and by trees and talking about this like the psalmist originally did. And so I'm so grateful for you joining and tuning in with us today. If you made that decision for Christ, make sure to click and go ahead and let us know about that. We want to celebrate with you. And we want to say to every single mom out there today, happy Mother's Day. We love you so much and we're so grateful that you were able to join us today at Movement Church.